a guy with a 70s style haircut and um, yeah, give yeah, it a click. Yeah, I'm with a 70s um, haircut and some glasses on and just a, just a, a wind, yeah. That's right, yeah, just a warning, there's a bit of explicit language. Um, but yeah, yeah, yeah but it's yeah, worth it, yeah. There's a lot of that, you know, they This week's episode of Fit for FIFO, um, episode 27. This week we've got Michael, the English Earth Mover. Uh, thanks for coming on the show, Michael. Yeah, no worries. Thanks, Abby. First, um, how, where, where can our uh, watchers or listeners find you? Um, just on Instagram? Just on Instagram, yeah. That's the only sort of platform I'm, uh, I'm on like, publicly. Yep. Um, I've got a name tag of uh, the English Earth Mover with like an underscore between those uh, words. Um, yep. Yep, so that's... Sure, if you put it in the search function, you'd find me somewhere. Yep. So, um, yeah, that's me, really. I'm cool. just posting up pictures of uh, machines and uh, stuff that I get up to at work, so yeah. Yep, yep, cool. Um, and for those of you who are following us, you can find us on um, Spotify. We're now on iTunes, um, YouTube, and um, Instagram. So yeah, check us out on there. Uh, so first, we'll jump straight into talk about what you do in um, the FIFO and, and um, heavy industry, mate. Um, so I operate um, a range of uh, heavy move equipment uh, on a range of different sites I've worked off in, in the past. Um, I'm not so much involved in the production mining of the ore. I'm mostly involved in the support side of a mine site. So if there's an expansion project or building new tailings dams or haul roads or drainage or yeah, all the stuff that goes keeps the mine site uh, working. So. Uh, that's the sort of projects I've been involved in in the past. Yep, yep. And uh, what sort of machinery exactly are you operating, mate? Um, in the past, I've been lucky to sort of operate most things, you know, on site from uh, bobcats to bulldozers, graders, loaders, excavators. But currently, at the moment, I'm uh, mostly focused on ex- various different excavators at the moment. So, uh, yeah, I've just sort of been around the ball. I've got all, all the tickets for them all. So, um, yeah, it's, it's good. It gives me a little variety of times. So, um, yeah, I do enjoy it. Yep, and you have a, a balance of doing working just out of Perth and also you do a bit of FIFO, um, different projects here and there. Is that how it works, did you say? Yeah, that's kind of how it works. Um, obviously, I work for a civil contractor, civil construction contractor, and uh, we're engaged in working away um, when required for different projects. Um, but, I mean, they also have their work locally in Perth. Um, so I sort of go between the two uh, as and when required, really. Yep, yep. So, for those of you guys who haven't actually been to Michael's um, Instagram profile, he's got a lot of different machines that he posts up um, from, I think you were telling me you've been taking photos for many years, Michael, is that correct? Yeah, well, like I've been operating machines now for probably 10 years or more, mm-hmm. and uh, I've always sort of, you know, taken photos of uh, what I've been up to, or what machines I've been operating, or other machines I've seen on site, which are an interest to me, so... Uh, I've got an extensive sort of back catalogue or an archive which I can sort of call upon and to uh, keep my Instagram feed um, a bit fresh, you know, sort of uh, put different stuff on or stuff on a few years ago and different types of machines, different brands. That's what I kind of, kind of do really, so yeah. Yeah, yeah, and so there's some like really yeah great pictures and um, big machines. So um, what's the biggest machine that you sort of operate? Uh, in the past, I've been operating the big uh, D11 caterpillar dozers, so that's one of 
biggest days that Caterpillar produced. Um, mm-hmm. For uh, I think they they weigh in at about 115 ton. Okay. And then for excavator wise, I've been operating like a you know, 120 tonners. Um, so uh, which you know are big, are big enough in a civil or bulk earthworks environment, but as for mining, they're kind of like the baby excavators of the uh, the big production mining world as such. So, uh, but still, still decent enough size, you know. Yep, yep. So yeah. <laughs> and what's for those who don't actually unaware of um, like sort of weight or tonnage, um, like to get a comprehension of the size of these things. Um, how many cars would would you say this um, like one of these hundred and twenty ton um, excavators would sort of be equivalent um, to? It's hard to say, but I think the I mean your average sort of family car is probably going to be around I don't know maybe nine hundred to one ton. I'm not sure really. Mm-hmm. I know I know my utility is around two tons, so I don't know. We'll say around a ton. So yeah, yeah you could say with a hundred twenty cars, for example. But like I said before, it's uh, um, there's a lot more massive equipment out there than that. You know, uh, right up to around like you can get some excavators and hydraulic face shovel in there, uh, 800 to 1,000 tonnes. So, I mean, like I say, uh, this is the stuff I've uh, managed to have a chance to have a go on. Um, it's kind of the small scale of the big mining world of equipment. Holy shit, that's, that's um, yeah, they're massive. So you must be talking like big, big money on these really big uh, machines, these 800 tonne um, excavators and stuff. Yeah, um, what's big money to buy or big money to drive them? Well, I, I suppose everything, everything about them. No, like. every, yeah, everything about it is huge. Uh, the, you know, the, the cost to buy them in the first place, the cost to even ship them up to, well, ship them, but, you know, to dismantle them and then transport them to site on a, on a range of trucks, you know, and uh, earning a bank that is big, big bucks. But, I mean, at the end of the day, they're earning, they're earning big money because of the amount of dirt they can shift so quickly, you know, so uh, it's all about making money, so... Uh, bigger machine, you can do it quicker and, and move more dirt, and yeah, so that's what it's all about for mining. Yeah, right, right. Um, now, besides um, your JHAs and Take 5 cards, what's your biggest challenge um, being an operator? Um, being an operator is, biggest challenge I would say is, well, in a, in a, especially in a civil construction environment, is, you know, other, other people on the ground and other machines in close proximity, I mean, you do it. You do have these safety, uh, you know, things in place such as like a you know twenty meter rule where machines can't really enter uh, another machine's space or uh, slew zone and such. But um, but you know, from time to time that they they'll get breached and uh, you just got to be on your on, on your you know on your nerve to see who's around you, especially um, light vehicles, you know, four by four drives driving around, or even you got. Um, uh, surveyors going around checking grades on the sites, but um, so I'd say that's a, that's a yeah, what well, probably my point issue is to stay safe and you know not um, not have any incidents regarding other machines or you know if there was a someone on the ground involved, it's obviously probably be fatal then. So um, yeah, right. yeah, a lot to think about at times, but yeah, yeah, you just gotta be safe. Really, there's a lot of um, a lot of rules in place to prevent that sort of stuff from happening, mate, but. Yeah, still got to point your guard. Yeah, yeah, of course. And and if you sort of were considered to breach one of these rules, like if you did have like a near miss or something, is that sort of like a job limiting um, situation, or what? Or is it? Does it go further than that? Um, like if there's a near miss, there's usually a, an investigation done by the safety department. Yeah. Um, they will sort of you know 
uh, stop time, essentially, if you know what I mean, sort of freeze time, take photographs and measure what's happened and yeah. sort of uh, interview both parties involved and uh, check if all the paperwork's been signed by yourself and then interview you to see if you understand what JHA you're working under and uh, mm-hmm. what's required of the role and what you're doing. And, yeah, so yeah, if there is something that happens, there's quite a thorough investigation and then it's then released to everyone else in the workforce then and then about a week's time and I think across Australia I know many mine sites will have like a safety bulletin of another mine site so in the eastern states where so you know LB's been run over by, by a dump truck or you know and you get to hear about what happened and you know what, what was learned and what have you so yeah, yeah that's what has happened. Have you experienced or heard of an, any um, like significant sort of incidents that have happened around that um, not major significant. I mean, I've been on loads of sites where dump trucks have rolled over and stuff like that's happened, but um, but yeah, I've never, I've never personally been there where someone's really got significantly hurt. I mean, people have injured, you know, cut themselves and you know, crushed their fingers and what have you, but yeah. luckily I haven't been involved or had a workmate, a close workmate of mine, um, injured or hurt. Yeah, so yeah, that's good, yeah. Um, but yes, yeah, you often see photos of dump trucks on their lid, like upside down. Is that is that sort of quite a common thing? And and um, is it like for the driver, they're, they're quite safe for that to happen, like engineering wise? Um, there's kind of two two types of dump trucks. You got your articulated type dump truck, which have a pivot behind the cab. Yep. Then you have your rigid dump trucks, which are generally used in mining and quarries and what have you. Um, like the articulated ones, which are generally six wheel drive. Um, you'll see on. You know, any road project or construction project around the metro area, they have a tendency to roll over if uh, the operator's not really clued on about where he's taking the truck or, or uh, if they're going to reverse to an area which is unstable. Once they obviously lift the skip up to tick off the load and if, if it's on un- unsuitable ground, then yeah, they have a tendency to roll over. Um, whereas rigid trucks, I mean, I mean, they're typically dumping off on, a, say, either a crusher or a, a big tip head. The tip head's basically just a, a basic terms. It's just a basic big hill, and they're just dumping off the edge of this uh, this, this hill. Uh-huh. And uh, yeah, if they're not careful, they could reverse up to the edge, and yeah, potentially uh, reverse off the edge, or or what have you, or yeah, maybe speeding. They could roll one over, but um, so yeah. You'd be up, up for a few cartons then if you rolled one of those, wouldn't you? I'd say so, and uh, potentially get a window seat home if you're working away. Yeah, right. Uh, gotcha. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, now, how much of an issue do you find um, like back pain and back injuries are from being an operator sitting in that hunched over position, and, and I suppose the vibration and what's the common um, cause of it? Yeah, it can it can be an issue just stuck in a machine all day. Um, I I'd like to get out and have a, a bit of a you know wander around my machine and check the surroundings on the ground if possible throughout the day. You know, like it's smoke lunchtime and then in the afternoon. Um, one machine in particular will, you know, bug your back up, which is a bulldozer when you're ripping hard rock. Um, personally, in the past, I was on a uh, large Caterpillar tractors with D10s and D11s and you're ripping rock. And when you're ripping, ripping rock, you're kind of in the seat, sort of twisted around. You're looking out the back window of the tractor and you sort of, engaging the controls on your right hand side to um, move the shank up and down the ripper shank to engage the rock and also then you're, you're looking forward to the direction you're traveling with the bulldozer and 
obviously when you rip a rock it's really rough going on the machine the machine's jumping around bouncing around the place and it could really send some shockwaves up your back which you're not expecting so uh, yeah I've had a bit of um, lower back damage in the past from that because mm-hmm. you know, you're, twisting, you're twisting around you're looking out the back window and all, all of a sudden the machine will just drop down because you're just you're on a rock or you're on rocks and yeah it, that could be an issue um, at times I remember some other guys used to wear um, some sort of like uh, like weight lifter belts sort of around their stomach to sort of hold it back in but, yeah um, right if we're engaged in that that type of work but um, yeah that's a that, that's a bit of a you know, not a nice thing to do is to you know fuck you back up at work you know so, yeah uh, for sure and doing that sort of work do you find that they're improving the like machinery and equipment and like they focus a lot on that these days or is it sort of all pretty standard and hasn't changed too uh, much? Well, that, like when you're rich and rocking a bulldozer, it, you know, it is what it is. You know, it's, uh, it's just hard going. Um, the reason why I was doing it back then is the, the client we were working for didn't want to pay any money for drill and blast. So they didn't want to drill the hard rock and blast it out. Mm-hmm. So they got a couple of us in, in big dozers to try and rip it out and it just... Um, yeah, it really tore us apart as operators and uh, destroyed the machine in the process. But um, that was the way. This is the way it went down. Really, at the end of the day. Um, but um, you know, you're always you're always going to find it difficult on, on your body if you're engaged in rip and rock all day on a bulldozer. But yeah, if you're sat in a um, in an excavator loading dump trucks or you're on a, you know a grader trimming off the roads, then you know that's a lot lot more easier going on your body. Um, I would say so. It's just different machines. It just um, it's just treat you differently, really. Yeah, yeah. And does it does it help to do like some little mobility exercises through the day, like little stretches and stand up when you've got the chance, or if you've got the chance? Yeah, I like to get out and reset my back. You know, just sort of stretch forward and you know reach down, touch my toes, and just sort of you know just sort of get out and have a good stretch now and again. Um, I do enjoy the stretches in the morning, which are which will typically get on site now on a lot of sites. Uh, a lot of people whinge at that and they think they're a load of rubbish, but, you know, it does warm you up a little bit and just sort of just stretch it out any muscles which um, you haven't previously done that morning. Yeah, gotcha. So yeah. I try and uh, try and do a few, not the full exercise, but try and just do a couple of stretches throughout the day, try and keep yourself flexible and not sort of all curled over and hunched over at a machine, you know? Yeah, definitely, yeah. I, it's, um, I think it's important in every sort of trade that you try and break away from that sort of whatever whatever posture you're in you know like trying to yeah, um, break yeah. it up a bit because yeah I think every trade has their own little um, shit posture that they get themselves into that they need to break every so often so yeah yeah um, mate so you're originally from the UK and you said you've been out in Australia for about six near on six years now um, just talk, right, yeah. talking about that so your experience can you share your experience of um, coming over to Australia yeah well I was working in the UK and with the global financial crisis on, you know, just bugger all work around and uh, you're know, just earning just earning enough money just to you know, just to keep you ticking over it, not to earn any like you couldn't dream of saving up and you know, buying your car or going on holiday, you just hardly any work around, hardly any money, you know. So yeah, I just had enough and um, I thought right, I was scared of being try Australia. Just even I just thought I would come here for one year because I had a, a one year um, backpacking visa. Subdivision 
and um, within a week, I think it was, we were real lucky. But, um, yeah. So I was there pushing away and got some of the lads there on site, and everyone's got this, got these talks about working up north, you know, obviously we're based in Perth and everyone's on about working up north, and when I was up north, I was on this site, and I was like, well, you know, bloody hell, I didn't know about all these mine sites, didn't know about flying by I'd sort of heard about all the big mines over here, but I've never really figured, I don't know, I just didn't research it, I didn't know anything about it, didn't yeah. know where mm-hmm. uh, I assumed you'd have to live locally, you know? I didn't realise you'd fly to work. So yeah, I quickly got educated on the fact of what happened today, and he flew away to fly, and what have you, so um, yeah, I got flying online, and I just got out and got a couple of interviews straight away, and before I knew it, I was uh, having a medical and I was, you know, pack my bag and flying up north, shucked sh- straight into uh, Forum 1 roster mm-hmm. on, a, on a big uh, dam, Hennings Dam project up on, a, on an iron ore mine. And um, yeah, there it was. It was stinking hot and uh, I'd only been in the country for, say, for like three months or more. And yeah, straight into it. And um, yes, it was a big change from the UK for that, you know, especially working working non-stop for four weeks, although we had you know, one RDO in the middle there, yep. maybe two, I can't remember. Yeah. But yeah, so yeah, it's a big difference. Right. And what, what's the some of the sig- like more significant things you can re- recall um, in terms of difference in culture or lifestyle that really jumped out at you when you first arrived? Um, well, I mean, the culture and the lifestyle of Australia is you know, a lot different to the UK a very outdoor lifestyle with the, obviously the weather is a big big part of that mm-hmm. um, so obviously that's a big draw card for, for myself coming over here and all the other um, English and Irish people coming over here to work start a new life so, um, so that was a big draw card to come here um, that's just fitting in with the workforce and people here I mean yeah we do things a, a lot bit differently to back at home I mean if you if you're not aware of Perth is home to a, a lot of sand, all the ground around Perth is sand. And uh, when I first came over, I'd never worked with sand before. And they're building roads with sand, building like big industrial subdivisions with sand. And I was like, I think to myself, this is going to work. You know, they're using sand. <laughs> and because uh, you know we don't have you know, sand in the you know, in, in where I'm from, it's all heavy red clay. Yeah. Right. And uh, so, yeah, it was all different to start working with sand again, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, never worked with sand. So, you know, kind of coming from, um, from an earthly background, it was took a, a bit to adapt to how they do things over here and how they build roads and um, what have you. So, that and took a bit of head scratching to get my head around that. Right. And how does that change your job as an operator, um, working with sand as opposed to red clay that you had mentioned? Yeah, well, say, for example, you're digging a trench for know, a pipeline or drainage, you know, obviously sand, it's, it just keeps collapsing in. So yeah. uh, you've got to dig it out a little wider, you've got to either batter the sides down to make them safe, or if you get that real deep, you've got to use what we call a trench box, which is basically two big steel sheets connected together, and uh, that sort of sits in, in your excavation to stop the sides falling in, and then the guys installing the pipes uh, can work safely without getting, you know, crushed to death or uh, what have you but like in the UK you can well especially where I'm from you can you know dig to your heart's content all day and have a nice clay open trench and you know the Eric's firm and hard and he's going to fall in and collapse and yeah, right. so, so yeah that was a lot different uh, I, I know other parts of Australia don't really have the sand but Perth is known for having all this all this sandy ground you know yeah right so um, yeah that was a lot different to home 
Yeah, okay. And and is that is that like when you're applying for a job, is this like a do they ask you if you've worked with sand before? Because it sounds like it's it's quite significantly different. Uh, uh, no, they never they never asked. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, at the end of the day, you could pick, pick it up pretty easy with sand. You basically got to wet it, mm-hmm. wet it up, and then then roll it off, and it goes off. It's, yeah, I was so surprised it goes off pretty hard. Yeah, right. I don't know what they make all the roads ready with sand or build build them all up, but um. So yeah, that's basically it. It's just one ingredient and water, and then roll it off. Yeah, <laughs> so right. you can sort of you can get your head around it relatively quickly. It's just uh, just took a bit of use, took a bit of use to getting used to it, you know. Yeah, yeah. Be like when you learned to ride a bike, eh? The sandbox when you were a young fella. <laughs> <Growing up. laughs> yeah, yeah, that's it, really. Um, but yeah, like I said, it was uh, when I first I didn't know, it was, you know, didn't know it was all sand right here, so it was just quite unusual for myself. Yeah. Um, I'm no doubt I'm a, I'm a pickle as well from the UK and Ireland with all the same, you know. Yep, yep. Can you um, can you explain to us who the angry Aussie Earth mover is? Oh, so, yeah, that guy, yeah, he don't want to be working with it. So he is um, some sort of character I sort of made up on my Instagram page, and um, it initially come from, I've got a Snapchat account, but I've only got a, you know, a few personal friends on there, some workmates, yeah. and um, there was a filter on there, and I put a filter on my face, and sort of had a bit of a rant, and sent it off to a few people, and everyone found it hilarious, and um, we had, had a few come back to me, and just went on all day, and it was just, yeah, it was a real... Real piss take, really, and uh, yeah. I started. Um, I just saved a few of them, then and I stitched them all together, and thought, well, maybe I'll share it to Instagram, really, and it's just a massive hit. And uh, yeah, but then had people, you know, private message me asking for more and <laughs> comments. And so uh, basically, he's uh, like an angry older guy who's worked in the industry all his life and uh, has no time for the new generation. <laughs> In the, in the workforce and uh, expects everyone to have the same amount of knowledge as him. <laughs> so it's basically him just ranting on about uh, the good old days and back when he was younger and how it used to be done. So it's just a series of little clips and videos stitched together and just having a bit of a, bit of a laugh, really. Yeah, yeah, yeah I think you, you definitely uh, nailed the, the stereotype on the head with those there. Um, yeah, for those of you who, um, if you're unsure of what we're talking about or you want a good laugh, just jump over to... Michael's um, Instagram page and check him out. Just scroll down, you'll see a, a guy with a '70s style haircut and um, yeah, give yeah, it a click. Yeah, um, just a just a, a, bit of, a wind, really, yeah. That's right. Yeah, just a warning. There's a bit of explicit language, um, but yeah, yeah well, but it's yeah, worth the it. Yeah, that's right. I've worked, worked with loads of them in the past. Some of them are right. Some of them, you know, each once you get to know them for a little while, and they they have, they know that you can you know operate machinery. They have a little bit more respect for you then. But right. um, some of them are just uh, awkward as hell and don't want to allow on anything. You know, but that's just the way they are. Yeah, and, yeah. You, know, you know, you're not just in earth moving. I'm, they know you get them in every sort of trade. You know. Yeah, so you definitely, definitely definitely do, mate. I've worked with the way them. It is, really. Exactly. Can I, Michael? Can I put you on the spot and ask you for um for one of the phrases that you you. Go oh, um, into character for me. Oh, really? Oh, it could be a bit of language, though. Yeah, go on. I'll, I'll, I'll beep it out. Oh, uh, fuck. <laughs> okay. Um, back in Yankees, they fuck all these days. Oh, that's just all right. That's just all right, really. Yeah, no. <laughs> that was the one about the ashtray. That was a cracker. Oh, that's much easier than the 
fucking ass down the motorbike. Yeah, <laughs> that's it. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, thanks, mate. I, I just, uh, they stop a saying for, uh, for the old guy, really. I don't really have, I've got a bit of a bad throat at the moment. I can't do this sort of accent. Uh, through raspy voice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a real lag rant, really. Yeah, no, it's great. Yeah. Mate, um, just moving on from that, so... Um, at the end of the de- end of uh, December last year on your Instagram, you announced some um, pretty exciting news for yourself and your partner. Um, so, can you tell us a bit about that and um, changes you expect in the future? Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I met my my Australian girlfriend obviously over here. She's yeah. Perth, and um, yeah, we're uh, we're introducing a baby boy in May, early May time. So, uh, it's going to be a big change for uh, both our lives, of course. So. Uh, yeah, look, eight. Sleepless nights ahead. Yeah, for sure. Well, congratulations with that, mate. That's um, yeah, that's great. Um, yeah, thanks. With, with uh, FIFO, so obviously you were saying that you do a bit of it, but you also work local. What changes do you feel uh, might come, and how do you actually feel about at this stage um, possibly working away when you've got a young fella? Um, I know it's gonna be it's gonna be tough, but I mean, I'm not the first bloke, and I'm not the last person to work away with um, with a young family, so. Look, I'm going to give it a go in uh, June time. I think my employer then he says there's some uh, work coming up then which could suit me to slip into working away. So, uh, look, I'll give it a go. Um, it's going to be a two-on-one roster, so, yeah. Um, we'll see how that goes, really. Hopefully it's going to be all right. But, um, I mean, at the same time, me and my uh, girlfriend want to obviously get our feet on the housing ladder, so we need to get our, some money up to get for a house deposit. So, what with any one income coming in, um, just kind of have to grin and bear it, really, try and earn some money mm-hmm. um, to try to get ourselves a house next year, you know. So, yeah, it's, it's going to be a bit of a sacrifice, so I'm missing out on a few things, but um, hopefully in the long run it's all worth it, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, you did say something when we were talking um, earlier on the phone, you did say something that stood out to me and I think it's quite important. You said um, about if, if it's not working, you were, um, you'd be prepared just to, to come back to um, living and working just locally. Yeah, um, my employer has work both locally and away, so um, I'll you know, obviously give it a go. Uh, mm-hmm. It's not going to work out, and uh, my girlfriend's not coping. Uh, well, you know, myself, I'm not coping. Uh, you know, yeah, Miss yeah. May, I'm uh, seeing a little one, and yeah, I'm also knocking on the head, and I uh, work locally. There's you know, just quite a lot of local um, road construction work, and you know, earth moving around in Perth. Yeah, obviously the money is, is uh, not the same, but um, it's enough to keep you out of trouble and uh, you just have to do that for a while and uh, go from there, really, and reevaluate it later on. So, uh, yeah, yeah, that's something we'll, we'll give it a go, and if it's not going to work out, then uh, we'll just have to, have to stop it, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Now, thinking about bringing um, a young fella into the world, with your experience of working in FIFO and operating, would you encourage your son to follow the same path as what you have? Right, right. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, right. Um, you just created the, the perfect segue into my next topic, mate. Um, so thanks for that. Uh, the future of excavation and earth moving. Um, like, well, to start off, I suppose, what right now, um, currently, what's the most futuristic uh, equipment that you sort of um, can can think about off the top of your head? Uh, well, on top of my head, I mean, you've got the autonomous dump trucks in the big uh, mine at the moment. Mm -hmm. They're obviously. No one driving them, they just uh, do their own thing while they're thing, that'd be bad, but uh, they're programmed to go to a uh, shovel or an excavator or whatever, you get loaded, dump, dump their load off or uh, the crusher or the waste dump or whatever, you just do that all day without a drama. Yep. And obviously the truck doesn't need to go for lunch, doesn't need to go for the toilet, <laughs> and uh, it just pulls into the fuel bay when it needs fuel, and um, yeah, it does it all automatically, so... Uh, I think we're going to see more of that. That's pretty impressive at the moment. Uh, I think we're going to see that filter into different type of equipment in the future. I reckon you're probably going to get... I know there's already remote control bulldozers out there, mm -hmm. but uh, I think you may see automatic bulldozers or maybe automatic uh, motor graders in the future, maybe just whizzing around the mine, just you know, making the roads uh, smooth and tidy for, for the dump trucks. Yeah. I mean, it's going to take a lot of sensors and a lot of uh, electronics to get those to work. And typically, when they go wrong, they go wrong big time. But um, I think that's what's it's probably going to happen, you know. Yeah, future. right. Now, when you say autom um, automated dump trucks, are they like working off a mapped out um, program, or is there someone actually yeah. controlling them? Yeah, that's what, yeah. So what they generally do with them. I, I mean, I haven't worked with them myself, but uh -huh. you know, I've obviously have a keen interest in the industry and pretty much know that. Um, they have a route map bag for them right. to suit that shift, so yeah. they'll travel to wherever they're going to go. There's a lot, I think there's a lot of sensors and waypoints on the haul roads where they can, um, obviously also they're filled with a lot of cameras, so they can sort of see what they're, if there's any uh, other vehicles in the area, and also they have a, have a network so they can see if there's any sort of like a, a backlog of other dump trucks, if there's a, a queue as such, and then they obviously won't, they won't get close to other machinery in the area. They sort of keep their own distance. So, yeah, um, I think that's how they sort of work at the moment. Um, they're in a there's a command centre, I believe, Perth for most of the ones which are working autonomous, and uh, a handful of people then are running like large fleets and will um, so, set them up. So they're, they're being on their own, yeah. they're being monitored from Perth, and um and the actual trucks themselves. Whereabouts are they located? Oh, they'd be up in the Pilbara, yeah. So that's so Perth to the Pilbara is about an hour and a half flight away. So there, yeah, they'll be monitored up there by a satellite or uh, what, what have you. And uh, yeah, I think that's how it kind of works. Um, wow. So, uh, yeah. That's pretty incredible, isn't it? And, and you sort of yeah, start to that's wonder. Yeah, right now. And obviously, the big hoo-ha in the industry is uh, obviously a lot of dump truck, dump truck drivers are losing their jobs for that. Right. So uh, yeah, it's. Um, that's just the way it's going to get it, really. Um, yeah, right. And and you'd think there must be a, a security threat almost if, you know, it's all sort of wireless, like if um, people could sort of, I don't know, hack that or, or take over in some way. I wonder if that's a something that I'm sure they've thought about it, and but it'd be a high on the agenda, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you never know. You could get some uh, terrorists hacking in and programming all the dump trucks to drive out of the mine and down to Perth. I don't know. But, uh, <laughs> but, uh, I mean, it could be a possibility, but, well, yeah, who knows? Uh, back from. Yeah, but, yeah. Um, then obviously security in place to prevent that from happening. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, um, so that's, that's already been happening for a few years now, with Thomas trucks, so, right. like I say, I reckon it'll filter down to other types of equipment uh, yeah. in the future. 
Right, right, nice. All right, uh, mate, I've got a few final questions for you. Um, now, knowing what you know now, I'm um, going back to before you came to Oz, what advice would you give your um, your past self in regards to the transition um, working in FIFO and, and just Australia in general? Um, there'd be a pig at the dessert bar. Because when I come away for the first time and there's all these nice little caramel slices and muffins and cookies and you're just like, wow, these are just delicious, you know, or one or two on her, or, you know, and you just... Oh, you know, before you know it, you're, you're heading back to Perth and you've got a bit of a muffin top going on then on the <laughs> chef top. And, uh, so, yeah, that's the advice I would be. Just uh, take it easy on the food. Um, uh, yeah, just uh, I don't go on a piss every night. <laughs> right. Uh, that spiral you want to be on. So, uh, yeah. And, and what about uh, your, just the transition? Like, any advice for leaving home or the UK, like coming over here? Any, any advice um, just in regards to the transition? Um, I'm not sure I'd put that into words really because yeah, it's yeah. such a different culture and a different country and mm-hmm. a different way of working you know like like it's unheard of when I spoke to like friends and family and I was like you know I'll get on a plane there to fly to work and they're just like alright well, where are you going and I was like I'm still within WA and it's like an hour and a half flight whereas you know you fly an hour and a half from the UK and you'd be touching down in the middle of Europe somewhere you know so it's for people to get that into their, their mind from, from home, it's a lot for them to take in because they go far away and I'm working and how long I'm there for. And, um, like my, my parents are just like, oh, they, they just can't get their head around, oh, how can you stay away for two weeks? You know, far yeah. too long or even longer, you know. And I'm yeah. like, well, you know, you do it for the money and uh, not forgetting you get a full week off when you're back, which is, you, can, you get a few things done, but obviously it's, Never long, never long enough for your time off. You always want a few more days. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. It's uh, it's hard to really sort of uh, explain to someone from UK um, about what this lifestyle is about. Working away. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, for me, it wasn't as bad because I mean, I come to Australia on my own. I didn't have didn't come with friends. I didn't know anyone in Perth. Um, and yeah, so working away, I wasn't generally missing friends and family because they were already in the UK anyway, they were outside the world. So yeah. for me, it was just to jump on a plane and go work away. It was kind of no different, really. Yeah, right. right. Um, to start with, yeah. Yep. Yeah. Right. Um, so, next question, mate. Um, could you share with us a failure that has set you up for later success? Failure for later success? Mm. Oh, God. Small or, or large, like, could be either or. Uh, oh yeah. I don't know really. Um, I'm trying to think. Anything in regards to maybe getting? Uh, what about getting like jobs, positions? Like, um, has there been any anything you've sort of think you would would have changed next time to get to get a job or or something like that? Um. I'm sorry, yeah, it kind of put me on a spot. That's I can't right. think of uh, any sort of major failures. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's I've had fine. issues in the past, but you just sort of overcome them and sort yep, of yep. move on, you know. Um, yeah, no I can't think of any. That's all right. We'll, put, uh, we'll, we'll come back to that if you, if you think of something, just um, yell yeah. out. Um, there's another one. There's a couple more that might put you on the spot, but um, you can we can always pass and um, come back to them or we'll move on. That's fine. Um, so in the crib hut, 
um, some bad advice that you always hear. Except it can't be um, buy Bitcoin. That's the only one <laughs> you can't say. <laughs> bad advice you hear in a cribber. Yeah. Oh, well, the cribber is, is full of the rumour mill of any site. Right. It's, uh, it's always talking about the next job. It's always talking about how much money people are on on a certain job. Yep, yep. Um, it's always talking on about the kind of job you're on, if it's going to come to an end or it's going to get extended. Yep. Or, so it's kind of, you can't escape the cribber. Rumors, they're always going to be there. Um, I don't know, you just got to take them with a pinch of salt, really. Sometimes they're true, sometimes um, they're way off. But um, Yeah, right. So, so more, more or less, just don't let it get to you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I would say so, yeah. Um, we've heard some just right gibberish in the past that, um, about like, yeah, a job being extended and blah, blah, blah. And you think, oh, I've got you know, another two-month run of work. And then like, next week, then it's like, oh, well, it's been... Everyone's demobbing, it's all over. It's just like, oh, right, hey, what, the, what did I hear the other day then? You know, so yeah. that's just the way it is in the crib. So, uh, yeah, it's a lot of shit talked about, you know, and there. Yeah, it's sort of a nature, just um, nature of the industry, I suppose. Hey, like some guys, they sort of hang on to that. Um, they hear those rumors and they get really concerned, even though they've been on like what ten jobs before, where this exact same thing happens and never changes. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, especially when a job's coming to an end. And, you know, yeah, that's all right. Go around and who's staying on, and who they're letting go first, and uh, you know what jobs they've applied for online, and what's happening. So uh, yeah, it's a lot of that shit goes around. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, do you do much reading at all, Michael? No, I don't really. I should do. Um, <laughs> I struggle to find the time, to be honest with you. Yeah. Um, especially working away, you just get into that little routine. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, you sort of get home and so you're going to go to the gym. Go and do that for an hour, and you come back, and you have a quick shower, and you, you know, you know yourself, you're up then, and go and get food before the, the um, trimester closes, and then you're back to the room, and then I'd usually go and make a call then to my partner, and it's pretty much time for bed, you know, it's, uh, apart from flicking on your phone on social media, whatever, um, yep. yeah, it's stopped to find time, you know, I don't even watch TV when I'm awake half time. Yeah, right. Time, yeah. Yeah, I, I know what you're saying exactly, yeah. Um, when, you're, when you're away from home, um, when you're feeling like in a situation where you're feeling overwhelmed or, um, you know, like a bit down or something, have you got any, any things or methods or any sort of uh, techniques that you use to sort of cope with with, um, with that sort of thing? Um, I guess it's just you've got to go chat to your workmates if, you know, um, if things are getting a bit sour and um, try and, try and, you know, Strike up a conversation with some other guys you work with. You know, you know, everyone's doing it. Everyone's in the same boat. You know, like in regards to missing the family or doing it tough. And yeah, just going out, having a beer with some guys and just uh, just try and take your mind away from uh, what's happening. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, so I would suggest um, the things are getting tough and and you may need to look to you know have taken a break from working away. And, Find find some work locally, and maybe tough for some people in certain areas where they live. You know, yeah, yeah. some people, I guess, are uh, sort of stuck in rut of working away before they can kind of do. But hey, mate, sorry about that. Yeah, I think think Instagram got hold of my phone line. Oh, (laughs) (laughs) yeah. So sorry, back to that. So um, I just asked you. um, Yeah. So when you're feeling Overwhelmed or um, like sort of lost focus or, or a bit down, um, some things that you would recommend or things you do yourself to, to uh, move forward. 
Um, I think, yeah, like, go to talk to someone, talk to her. There's always posters up on the sides. I've been on of uh, hotlines to call if you, if you, yeah, in a spot of bother or drama and uh, go have a chat with your workmates, go have a beer, you know, just sort of, uh, yeah, just forget about things for a little while and just see how they're getting on and just ask how they're doing or, um, yeah, try some, uh, you know, you can just go for a go for a walk around camp in the evening or go to the gym, you know, and sort of, you know, refresh your mind a little bit. But uh, get into a bit of a fitness regime. Yeah, yeah. I think that would help help a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, but like I say, if it's all getting too much, then they have to just uh, knock it on the head and work it away and think about doing something else for a little while. Yeah, right. You're in a better place. Yeah, no, that's that's um yeah, really sound advice. That's exactly what I would suggest. That's great. All right, mate. Well, um, yeah, that just about that covers everything. Um, I just like to thank you, man, for um, for your time and, and your patience. It's been really good having a chat with you. Yeah, um, no worries. Yeah, and um, for those again who are listening, you can find Michael um, on Instagram, the underscore English underscore Earth Mover. Um, he posts a lot of really cool different photos of um, different equipment uh, that he works on, and also. Um, all over and, and you said all, most of the uh, photos are all your own is that correct Michael? Yeah they're all my own yeah I yeah. don't generally sort of repost uh, other photos unless it really uh, really stands out to me it's pretty unique or uh, unusual photo and I thought well, I'll repost it but um, yeah they're all, all my own photos um, across the years um, I do have enough there my own archives and I'll just uh, sort of keep my own and keep ticking over with my own photos really um, so yeah it's just, just the way it is really yeah um, nice righto well yeah so check him out um, thanks for that Michael and um, if you want to find us you can find us on um, iTunes Spotify also on YouTube and Instagram or Facebook as well <laughs> we try to cover it all but um, yeah thanks again mate um, and we'll uh, yeah, stay in contact and we'll chat to you soon thanks again for your patience man yeah no worries